Taking stock on News Talk. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling. We're joined now by Professor Mark L. Bush from Georgetown University. Mark, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You've written a piece with the headline, The Most Interesting Trade Dispute You've Never Heard Of. So who are the parties, first of all, and what are they fighting about? It's a really interesting trade dispute that's been years in the making, and the main players are Peru on the one hand and the European Union on the other. And Peru, in this case, is joined by a whole bunch of other exporters of cocoa. Both the beans and the powder are now the subject of a big spat, which has been kind of in the works for about eight years now, and the issue is twofold cadmium in cocoa versus in other products and then a question of whether europe will label something that will indicate whether cocoa exporters adhere to certain rules regulations and norms on child labor and deforestation okay so let's explore these issues in a bit more depth you mentioned cadmium there what is cadmium cadmium is a heavy metal and it's found in a lot of things including cereals and it happens to be oversampled by younger plants in Peru, which means that cocoa beans in Peru, oftentimes from certain parts of the country, have a decent amount of cadmium, which can hurt people's kidneys as well as their lungs. And Europe's concern with respect to cadmium is that young kids in particular may be having too much given their love for chocolate. So what's the EU's proposal? They're just going to stop importing this stuff from Peru or they're going to say, look, we'll take some stuff, but we don't want to, ha- you know, only stuff that doesn't have this, uh, this dangerous level of cadmium? Well, Peru and other countries have asked Europe to adhere to global benchmarks on the consumption of cadmium, which again is everywhere in the earth and we find it in a lot of things that we eat. The Peruvians and others were successful in getting Europe to delay the implementation of its regime, but now we're going to be full flight in terms of this restriction on cadmium. And the real issue is, does Europe have science for at times being more stringent than global benchmarks on cadmium consumption, which a joint FAO World Health Organization committee decided was not really terribly at issue in the case of chocolate. But nonetheless, Europe has said otherwise, and Europe has legislated otherwise, and here we are. We're staring down a trade war that has been in high gear since at least 2014. And and that's basically the idea, Mark, what I said, is that Europe is going to say, look, we're not taking any, any of this cocoa if there's cadmium in it above a certain level. Above a certain level is the key, exactly. You're not taking any cocoa if you say no cadmium. So the question then becomes whether Europe can demonstrate that it's done a proper risk assessment, as the WTO would demand, in order to vouchsafe its more stringent regulations on cocoa. But again, the problem becomes there's there's cadmium in an awful lot of things that European children and others are consuming, and it's going to have to be demonstrated that for so, that in some way Europe is holding all of these products to the same standards. Yeah, but why is that relevant, Mark? Because uh, I've reading the cocoa producers' arguments, this is one of the things they're saying, you know, they're, they're going after us, but what about all these other foods where, where cadmium might be an issue as well? 
But is, is that an argument that really has validity? I mean, if there's a problem with a the thing, there's a problem and it doesn't really matter, surely, if maybe they're being sort of hypocrites uh, uh, in terms of what they're going after. Well, as you can imagine, this case in particular gets spun as developing countries facing a rich country that is racing to the top over standards. What Peru and others point out is that it seems a little strange that Europe has this deep concern with respect to cocoa, but not other products which have at least as much cadmium, if not more, than cocoa. So it's a real issue mostly because Europe is the largest consumer and producer of chocolate. And that makes it come to the head in terms of health and safety requirements. But the bigger picture, as you allude to, is health and safety standards writ large. This is cocoa today, but it's a whole bunch of other trade disputes tomorrow. And we already know that, given that we've all been watching with bated breath the fight over chlorinated chicken between the United States and the UK, as well as the European Union more broadly. These are the these are the beast today, the nature of a trade dispute in 2021. And so you take cocoa and you replace a couple of the key actors and drop cadmium in favor of some other mineral or metal. And you've pretty much got almost any imaginable trade dispute over agriculture. And that's the big picture. Yeah, so it looks like there'll be a lot of these things then going forward. I suppose, Mark, if Europe is being very concerned about cadmium when it comes to cocoa, but they're not so concerned about other things, maybe some people might interpret that as evidence that they're trying to look after their own uh, chocolate manufacturers, whereas maybe they're not so concerned about other things and it's some kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe you call it protectionism or something. That's right. The view is that it's potentially disguised protectionism. And the notion would be that it's not so much that all of a sudden Europe is going to be self-reliant in terms of cocoa beans, but that they might be able to leverage pressure against Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire by more or less making it really hard for Peru and other countries in Latin America to export their cocoa beans and their powder, by the way. And this to help Europe get Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire to agree to labeling with respect to child labor and deforestation. And and really, that's what your audience needs to pick yeah. up on in this story. The What's other the connection, shoe is about though? to... Well, they're they're both being pursued in the case of chocolate right now, and uniquely in the case of chocolate, you've got the European commissioner uh, saying, or the sorry, the European ambassador to Cote d'Ivoire saying that European consumers don't want to have to deal with the politics of sampling products that come from countries where child labor and deforestation may be happening. This is a slippery slope. I, I dare say Europe would be hard-pressed to make the same case in the event of rare earths materials. So you've got a big slippery slope question here, and the label will only be sustainable if the market is dominated by Ghana and Cote d'Ivoire. Now, Cote d'Ivoire by itself is 41% of EU imports. So the logic has to be that the label is more likely to be accepted by Cote d'Ivoire if these other countries are precluded by virtue of the cadmium restriction. Yes, I suppose it, it, it lays down a marker. In other words, look, we're, we're, we'll go after people on these things. So maybe you should go along uh, on this other issue too. Our guest here on News Talk is Professor Mark L. Bush from Georgetown University. 
So this is all going to the o, uh, the WTO, I should say. What are the mechanisms out there to resolve an issue like this? And how binding is what the WTO says? What are the consequences if people don't go along with what the WTO says? The issue hasn't gone for litigation yet. It's been raised in committee, and it's been raised in committee a handful of times. So you're looking at an effort underway to resolve this prior to litigation. But if it does go to litigation, some very uncomfortable questions will be taken up before the World Trade Organization. A verdict uh, will be the subject of potential retaliation in the event that the complainants win. But I would wager that Europe really does not want this case going to the WTO at a time when the United States in particular is contemplating similar litigation on other issues, including endocrine disruptors, which will be a monumental agricultural trade war across the Atlantic. And the optics of this case are not good for Brussels because you're staring down a bunch of developing countries which primarily rely on cocoa exports. And in fact, the Peruvians are very quick to point out at the WTO committee meetings that if they can't export cocoa, they will be fundamentally dependent upon illicit drugs. Yeah, well, I mean, clearly that's uh, that is uh, uh, an issue for them. But at the same time, it is difficult look to kind of be arguing against a, a supposed health measure. This cadmium it is it does seem to be, to be some issue around it. Absolutely. But again, we've had scientific agencies at the international level weigh in on the case. Europe seems to want to abide by some of those global benchmarks and has said that when it does deviate from them, it is only in pursuit of health and safety. That is the line that you hear from every importer that raises their bar above an international threshold. And so the question then becomes, can Europe show that, in fact, it does have a risk assessment based in science and is applying that in a non-discriminatory way across products other than just chocolate. That's a heavy burden to have in the case of litigation when you're trying to demonstrate that you are not simply turning a blind eye to the poverty reduction strategies in place in countries like Peru. Yeah, and there are other issues cropping up as well. You mentioned the Cote d'Ivoire earlier. One issue that's come up is whether the EU should perhaps subsidize uh, the industry there to, to help improve some of these labor issues that we've been talking about, child labor. Right. To its credit, Europe has certainly been willing to subsidize various efforts in these countries to get on board and to do a better job in terms of regulating. But I dare say the line that the ambassador offered in Cote d'Ivoire that European consumers don't want to be burdened with worrying about things like child labor and deforestation. Generalize that claim and Europe is going to have to find a clearer path toward autarky because there are a lot of products other than cocoa that fit that bill. Well, it's just the comment is utter nonsense. Utter nonsense. There's no, no other way to describe it. I mean, rightly or wrongly, clearly there are big issues in some of these countries, but I, I would wager the vast bulk of, of European consumers don't really know or care. That's right. And that's why the big mystery going forward is how will Europe potentially label these issues on a chocolate bar? 
And is that label likely to be overly trade restrictive and even understandable by consumers at point of sale? But this is hardly the only label that Europe is on the verge of introducing that is going to raise trade tensions. And I dare say many, if not most of those trade tensions will involve the United States. Yeah, well, uh, let's talk finally a little bit more about the bigger picture, because we've seen a lot of headlines over the last five years uh, or so, I suppose, really, about various trade issues that have erupted and and a sort of a, a rise in protectionism. I mean, is that a fair characterization, Mark, of, of what's been going on, uh, first of all? Absolutely. We have a lot of issues that are popping up in WTO committee meetings that look exactly like the chocolate wars. And we have much bigger ones than chocolate to fear in the pipeline. And as I mentioned before, the single biggest one will be whatever it is that Europe does going forward on endocrine disruptors. But what are endocrine disruptors? Just tell us a bit more about these things. Well, for example, things in a pesticide that might actually have negative consequences for consumers if they're consumed, i.e. they disrupt the human endocrine system, which is scary sounding to be sure. But Europe has decided to take a very hazard-based approach to figuring this out rather than doing a risk-based approach, putting it at odds with much, if not all, of the global economy. This will implicate everything in the United States from the export of sweet potatoes to wine. And as a result, it's been eyed now for many, many years. You're talking about an issue that's been raised in committee at least a dozen times. And odds are that this one will go and it will test the rules-based global economy's grasp of agriculture in particular. You have to understand that tariffs and subsidies are passe in the world of agriculture today up against health and safety standards, which are far more effective at barring trade, if not making trade illegal. Yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about agriculture because I, I have heard of, of these these things before, these endocrine disruptors. It's usually in relation to plastic and you, you see things on kids' toys, for example, you know, it's BPA-free or phthalate-free is uh, some of the terms you, you see on these toys to indicate that they, they don't have these harmful things in them. But uh, if you're talking about food, it, it's obviously another issue altogether. So uh, I suppose the question becomes, how does it get resolved? I mean, are we looking at labeling that kind of thing? What, what do you think it's going to be? Well, the label will undoubtedly be a big part of the answer, but the question is label what? Right now you have Brussels categorizing some substances simultaneously as being both yes and no on the endocrine disruptor front. This all has to get clarified and then the label has to be matched to what we do know and conveyed in terms of information to consumers such that they can understand what actually is the real world risk. All of that is very fraught. And as a result, this one is going to be a big, big trade dispute and likely will involve virtually all agricultural exporters across the globe. And you mentioned that Europe is taking sort of a hazard-based approach rather than a risk-based approach. What do you mean by that? Hazard-based approach simply identifies in a binary sense whether something is potentially a hazard or not. A risk-based analysis examines the consumption of a real-world person under real-world circumstances, given, for example, the nature of what a serving counts as in the example of, say, chocolate. So all of the World Trade Organization rules are premised on doing a risk analysis. Europe, for some reason, has decided to buck the trend on endocrine disruptors.
Yeah, well, obviously that does leave them ripe for that dispute, all right. Okay, we leave it there. Professor Mark L. Bush from Georgetown University, thanks very much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Taking stock on News Talk. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling.